Welcome to the Exploring Unschooling podcast. I'm Pam Larickia, longtime unschooling mom and author. Join me and my wonderful guests for interviews, information, and inspiration about unschooling and living joyfully with your family. You can find the episode show notes, your free introductory ebook, What is Unschooling?, and lots more information at livingjoyfully.ca. And here's the show. Hello, Explorers. I'm Pam Larickia, and this is episode number 174 of the podcast. It's the 30th of April, 2019, as I record this intro. And this week, I have a lovely conversation with Laura Bowman. Laura is the founder of the East Tennessee Unschooled Summer Camp for Teens. I've heard wonderful things about the camp, and in earlier episodes, Max Vernoy and Alec Trossett have both talked about how much they've enjoyed their experience at the camp as mentors. Laura and I dive into her unschooling journey, how the camp came to life in 2010, what a day at camp looks like, the idea behind the mentor groups, reluctant campers, and so much more. As a personal update this week, things have been pretty steady. I've really appreciated the wonderful response to last week's episode about unschooling in the context of alternative education. It's great to know that it helped some people more clearly understand some of those nuances and that it inspired people to think more deeply about their own priorities. That's all valuable stuff on the journey. We've also been having some amazing conversations in the Childhood Redefined Unschooling Summit group this week as the new participants dive into the content. So much of the journey to unschooling is our work to do, and the mindset shifts and aha moments are beautiful to witness. And of course, I want to take a moment to thank everyone who has chosen to support my unschooling work like this podcast and my website through Patreon. And a big welcome to new patron, Cricket Matherly. Hi, Cricket. I deeply appreciate all my patrons. Their generous support is vital to helping me freely share information and inspiration with anyone who's curious and wants to explore the fascinating world of unschooling. If you'd like to join my community of patrons and scoop up some great rewards along the way, check out the Exploring Unschooling page at patreon.com. That's p-a-t-r-e-o-n dot com forward slash exploring unschooling. And now let's get to my conversation with Laura. Welcome. I'm Pam Larickia from livingjoyfully.ca, and today I'm here with Laura Bowman. Hi, Laura. Hi. (laughs) Laura is the founder of the East Tennessee Unschooled Summer Camp for Teens, and I have heard wonderful things about the camp from various teens and mentors over the years, and I'm so glad she chose to join me on the podcast to share her experience. So to get us started, Laura, can you share with us a bit about you and your family? (laughs) yeah um so scotty and i have been married for 25 years (laughs) we have three kids samuel um, silas and sadie and they all actually started out at camp as campers in 2010 and are all three now staff so (laughs) that's been pretty exciting they're um samuel's 24 um silas is 21 and sadie is 19 Oh, cool. So was 2010 the first year? Yes. That's yes, awesome. That was the first year. <laughs> I couldn't find that. That's <laughs> awesome. Look at that. And 
ninth year. Yay. So before we, yeah. before we dive into camp, I'm just curious how you discovered unschooling and what your family's move to unschooling looked like. Well, um, when we first got Samuel, we uh, talked about um, what we would do. We, we initially thought we would want to send him to like a private school, but we don't have any money. So <laughs> we, um, we talked about um, homeschooling. So that was kind of like when we first, um, uh, our first toe dipping into the whole idea of keeping our kids home. And it just sort of evolved from like our natural parenting um, to sort of like this gentle, relaxed homeschooling because Samuel was only about five when he first actually asked to be like, um, have like workbooks or things. So we would get those fun um, things that you can get at the store that's like counting or coloring and things like that. And he wanted me to teach him how to read. So we did this whole lesson thing and we got about halfway through. It was like one of these like hundred lessons. Yeah. And he got really bored. <laughs> but and so he was reading fine and just wanted to just continue on and we've always read lots of books um but I guess it sort of naturally evolved into um leading or um following uh, what he wanted to do each day and it was a lot of playing I used to joke that Legos were our curriculum because it was just everything you know colors sorting you know following directions all of that um, and I guess at some point we, I saw a book, I saw a book at the library and it said something about unschooling on it. And I was looking through it and I was like, Oh, this sounds like what we do. Mm-hmm. And it was, pre, you know, internet and all of that. And yeah, it was just a really gradual discovery of how to let go of a lot of the things that we learned growing up about not just about school, but also about parenting because I still had a lot of like control things with food and, and um, thinking certain things were too violent. Like I used to think that Pokemon was violent and I was like, you can't, I know Pokemon. (laughs) (laughs) And my kids like to make fun of me for that now because I was like, (laughs) so yeah. I guess it was just a natural evolution to um, eventually finding online communities and becoming more involved in um, homeschooling groups. And I even when we moved to Charleston, when our kids were little and about it was in 2004, um, I started a Charleston unschooling uh, homeschooling group there because there wasn't really one for that. And I, I don't think that that's still going. We only lived there for three years, but it kind of kept going for a little while, but I don't think it is anymore. Um. <laughs> <laughs> I I love hearing those stories where um you know it it all just came to uh, they all just came to you but no it's uh, what I love is noticing how um you're just paying attention and and open open to <laughs> seeing things in a new way right like you were you were parenting in a different way, and it's like, hey, we don't want to bring school in, and you were just yeah. not even knowing that what you were doing. Like, I love that that you were pretty much unschooling before you heard a thing about it. Right. Now, I I feel like we I was kind of attachment parenting before I hadn't heard about I didn't hear about that until after I discovered unschooling. But yeah, I was always kind of the odd parent out, but it just felt more right to me. <laughs> than yeah. what other people were doing. 
and and that openness to seeing that and thinking your own thoughts and trusting yourself somewhat. Yes. I mean, you notice yeah. that you're different, right? You're different, right? But it yeah. still feels yeah, it was better. Yeah, it was definitely an evolution from attachment parenting because we did have, you know, extended breastfeeding and co-sleeping and home birth and all of those things. And just, yeah, it just seemed like just the natural progression and, and mutual respect, you know, treating your children with the respect that you want to be treated and um, all of that. And, you know, I think that one of the things about unschooling that I hear a lot is people people want to do unschooling because they want like X outcome. They think if I do this, then this is the the perfect child that I will make, you know, and, and they, they think if they just follow all of that. Then, But the one thing that you learn as your children grow and change that they are an individual, <laughs> they are their own person. And yes, you're, you're um, nurturing and all of that plays a big role in it. But ultimately, they are, you have to learn to let go a little bit of expectations and outcome. Because I think that if you hold too tightly to expectations and outcome of like, oh, if I do this, this and this, then this is what my child will be. And this will be successful and all of that. If you hold on too tightly to that, it's very easy to um, find yourself in a situation where you're like, oh, well, that didn't turn out how I thought it would, or I was told this wouldn't happen if I did this. And so that's been a huge learning um, experience for me as my children are going into the adult years is to let go of ideals and like, oh, they're not going to be exactly like me or exactly like the, you know, the, the poster child for, for unschooling and that they are their own amazing individual my children are very creative driven. And so I, I think that there's like this, um, that there's an acceptance of that in the unschooling community that, that um, you know, it's not the typical, Oh, I expect my child to go to college and be a doctor or whatever. It's like, if they want to be a musician or an artist, it's much more accepting. So that's been really great for me because that's the, the direction my children have all tended to go. in. <laughs> so anyway, just that, you know, realizing and accepting from a early age that your child is their own person and that this path to unschooling, even though you hear all of these amazing stories and people talk about, Oh, my child, no problems, this, and all these wonderful things that you have to accept your child where they are at every stage in their development and who they are and the individual that they are. Yeah. So I just got <laughs> because that, that that really is that that's the root the the most important I think um, deschooling piece or or just just paradigm shift because yeah you know we choose unschooling for for reasons right we want certain outcomes or we don't want to do certain things right there are reasons for choosing it you know, mm -hmm. and we listen to experienced unschooling parents and and read books and you know this. This X, Y, and Z, you know, happens. You know what I mean? We've got great relationships with our kids. You know, uh, you know what, what the things are that we're looking for. But yes, that moment, it, it's like, you know, you're going along, you're going along, you're unschooling, this is great. And then when you can make that shift, does it, yeah. it's like it's a whole new world opened up, isn't it? I mean, you're still unschooling, you're still everything, but it's another layer of realizing this unschooling is not about me, mm -hmm. right? 
right? It's really yeah. about <laughs> them and who they are. And then when you can step, like I always say step back and it feels like that, but yet again, you're not literally stepping away, right? You're still engaged with with them. You're still helping them. You're still like living side by side with them. But, mm-hmm. but you can see them more clearly, like in their choices. And right. it's, it's that trust level to, to release enough to get to that spot where you can see and you can realize, oh, you know, you know, I would have suggested this, or I would have made this choice if it were me and all those things. And and then recognizing that, oh my gosh, they made that choice because that is so them and it's awesome. And it's so much better than I could have, even though it's, it's not my ideal. It's not the expectation of, you know, there's unschooling things we like, but then there's always that, you know, imagining your child as an adult kind of deal. Right. And, and, (laughs) and and that whole idea of what's successful, et cetera. But yeah, when, when you see them being themselves, you know, just being themselves out and about in, in just in the everyday things, the things that they choose to do, why they made that choice, why they chose not to do this, you know, all those things, it really just them shining as themselves and their challenges too, right? Oh my gosh, you got me all excited here. <laughs> Even when they're going through hard times, it's, you still see them shining through it, right? Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there will be hard times. Yeah, I think that there is that illusion that, like I said before, if I do X, Y, and Z, there'll be this outcome that there won't be any hard times. Yeah. (laughs) And that realization too that, um, okay, we're trying to get through these hard times to get to those perfect times. And then realizing Mm -hmm. that, oh my goodness, these hard times are our lives. It's not that our lives are on hold during these hard times to get to the good times. They're all valuable, important parts of our lives. They all make us who we are, right? Yep. Uh-huh. <laughs> and, and even in the bad times or the harder times, we, we are still making choices, uh-huh. right? It's yeah. not that we lose our choice in those times. It's just, yeah. just, you know, more more difficult environments, more difficult things have happened that are out of our control, all those things. But we still get to choose yep. that day what what foot we put forward. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> That's cool, Laura. <laughs> okay, so let's dive into camp because you host, as I mentioned before, the East Tennessee Unschooled Summer Camp for teens. And in the last few months, Alec and Max have actually been on the podcast and both talked about how much they've enjoyed the experience and their mentors now. So I would just love to hear the story behind how that camp came to be back in 2010. Okay. Well, I have like a handful of memories from my childhood that are like really good. and some of those were spent at a lake where my grandma had like a camper set up. And so those are like some of my very, very best memories. And I always loved this idea of the community that was there, um, you know, the games, the fires, the, the people that would just come out and hang out by the lake. And, and that has always been... Um, kind of in the back of my mind of this ideal life. And even when, uh, when 
our second child, we just had Samuel and Silas, we bought a camper and moved into our camper and lived in, in it for about three and a half years. Uh-huh. And Sadie, our youngest, was actually born in that camper. Um, <laughs> and, and so we had this this life that we I really loved and, you know, just this you know, this whole camping lifestyle. And I always loved the idea of summer camps. And when I was younger, I had seen this movie and it was just about this summer camp that was getting old. I think it was mm, Indian summer or something. I can't remember the name of it now. All of a sudden it's just <laughs> not. But I always thought, Oh man, it would be so cool to own a summer camp. And you know, I just had these ideals. Um, cut to, I guess, 2009, um, we were trying to find another location for our biannual event that we have in the spring and the fall, which is a family gathering. We were trying to find a new location and Scotty was out on a bike ride and he went by this camp and he was looking around it and he thought it was really cool. He said, oh, this might be a cool location for, for ARG, which is the name of the event, Autodidactic Radical Gathering of Homeschoolers. Um, and so uh, me and my friend Ren, who's the one who started ARG, but I took it over later. Um, we, we went out to look at the location and I just was like, no, this isn't for ARG. This is my camp. <laughs> and I just knew it in that moment. I was like, this is my camp. And, um, and in the fall, I guess it was in November of 2009, I created a Facebook group and said, I'm going to start a summer camp. Anybody who's interested. And then by the morning, I think we had like 60 members. It was like five o'clock from a four or five o'clock in the morning, I couldn't sleep. And I got up and did that. And so by the time I got up the next day, it was already starting. And I was like, okay, I guess I'm going to do this. <laughs> and we had our first August of 2010. So that was kind of like the, that's kind of like the quick version of how it happened. <laughs> well, I love that it was something, you know, it, it's something meaningful for you, right? You're trying to bring that idea of, of camp that you so enjoyed growing up. And then you came across this place that fit that perfectly. And then, you know, all of a sudden it's like, oh, okay, now I've got it. Let's, let's just go see if anyone's as interested as I am. Yeah. (laughs) Oh, that's awesome. Okay. So I will have the link in the show notes to uh, the camp website and I was looking through it. Um, I have looked through it before, but I was refreshing it for our call and daily meetings with uh, the campers mentor group are one of one of the very few things that are required of campers during the week. And I imagine mm-hmm. that's because you found those to be a valuable part of the camp experience for them. So I was wondering if you yeah. could share more about what those mentor group meetings are about and how they help. Okay, so the mentor group um, is after breakfast. Um, you meet with your mentor, and it's a small group of anywhere from eight to ten campers. And the the idea behind it is that camp can be a big place with anywhere from you know sixty to eighty kids running around at any given time, and it can that can be really overwhelming to be like, oh, now I have to go make friends, <laughs> you yeah. know, and who do I meet? How do I meet them? And although we do have all types of activities to facilitate those types of meetings, like our icebreaker games and then different workshops and stuff like that, the mentor group gives you the same kids to meet with 
every single morning and um, play games and have discussions so that you're meeting people on a smaller scale that's um, more comfortable than just feeling overwhelmed by trying to meet all of the, the people at camp. And the mentors facilitate um, conversations and games and and just make it a you know a place that they can count on each day that's going to be the same. So that's that's basically what that that is. Yeah, the core. I think, of yeah, it, it, the it feels like it's a grounding spot. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Somewhere where they, it, and like you said, it takes the pressure off the the meeting people, the having to you know approach people or you know be right. open to it, etc. You know, this this is a spot, and yes, so the people are pre-selected. But so it's kind of a just a different dynamic. So depending on which one works or fits better for them, for each individual camper that comes, right? They they have lots of both. They have both those experiences, and then the mentors there too. You know that that's a place where a camper can make a connection with someone who wants to make a connection with them, right? They want. As a mentor, I mean, that's part of their job. That's part of their work. And that's why they've chosen to be a mentor because that's what they, they like to do. They want to um, connect with them and, and help them feel more comfortable there and help them figure out a way to be comfortable there, right? Does that make sense? Yeah, and someone that they can, yeah, and someone that they can come to if they just even need one-on-one time and yeah. guidance. And, yeah, no, I, I thought that was that was a really cool idea, you know, to give them that that space and, and having it every day, you know what I mean? It, that makes that consist, that consistency, that, that moment that they know they're going to touch and then having it in the morning too. So they just feel a little bit grounded before they go out and, and approach their right. day. Yeah. I, I thought that made a lot of sense. <laughs> um, so speaking of the day, what does the day at camp look like? Well, we have our morning check-ins, which is, uh, one of the other required um, things is our check-ins so that they, the ca- campers come and they, they find their mentor and check in, let them know I'm up, I'm ready for breakfast. I'm ready you know, to start the day. Um, that way, if there's anyone missing, we know right away. <laughs> and when I say missing, it's, I, I mean, still in bed <laughs> um, because the last thing we want is for, for, campers to come to this week with this all these great opportunities and then miss them and I know that a lot of kids getting up in the morning is not their favorite but they do it they get up they come sometimes you know we'll send our junior mentors if there's some kids that are still kind of haven't haven't come in yet we'll send them to check to make sure that they're okay sometimes they're just getting out you know getting out of bed. They just a little groggy. Sometimes they were running behind in the showers or whatever. Um, but for the most part, you know, they, it, it's not too big of a struggle. Even when they have late nights, they still come, they show up and make sure that they check in with their mentor so that we know that they're okay. And sometimes they do, they'll say, can I just go back to bed for a little while and skip breakfast? And that's totally fine because we always have food out. And sometimes Scotty will even make a plate. Scotty's my husband. He runs the kitchen. (laughs) Um, 
And sometimes, so he will like even save a plate for kids if he knows that they've had to go get a little extra sleep during breakfast. And then they get up a little bit later and go to their mentor group. But that doesn't happen all the time. But we do give room for that because we know how important sleep is. And eating's important too, but food's going to be there all day long. They will always have food available any time of the day. There's snacks and things like that. So if they miss that, in in need of sleep it it seems more important um but they get used to it through the week they they find a rhythm yeah so then we have breakfast and then after breakfast they go to mentor groups and then after mentor groups we have um our first workshop slots and that can be anything from just a discussion about a specific topic um or it can be an artsy craftsy type of thing, or it can be dance, learning a dance. Um, you know, it can be a hike. It just there's lots of things always going on. And then after that first slot, then we have our next slot, and that's a, a little bit longer one for workshops that might take a little bit longer. Um, then after that, we have um, lunch, and then after lunch, we have a siesta. So, which is a time that gives everybody a chance to just go. They lot, sometimes they'll go lay in the hammocks. We set hammocks up, and um, or they'll go back to their cabin, or they'll sit on the porch um, of the lodge, or they'll come inside. You can do whatever you want, which is pretty much all day long. You can do whatever you want. The workshops aren't required, mm-hmm. um, but it's a time where nothing else is usually scheduled, so that they don't have that conflict between oh, do I want to rest and just hang out with my friends or do I want to rush off to this other fun thing, you know, so they don't have to choose. They can, they can just rest or just talk with their friends or whatever. Um, and then after the siesta, we have our, um, our, uh, I want to say, yeah, our afternoon activity, which is usually a, like a bigger event. Um, it can be the, uh, climbing tower and ropes course, mm-hmm. um, swimming. It's like a two hour slot of time where you have this big outdoor type of uh, activity. Um, we've had, um, <laughs> ultimate Frisbee games and we have our field day. Um, so that's when we have our, our big outdoor activity for the day is, is during that time. And then a lot of times kids will go take showers and then be back in time for supper and and then after supper, the the mentors and I we go to our uh, staff cabin and we have our little you know our mentor meeting I guess is what it essentially is we um, we sit down and we talk about the day and see how everybody's doing and during that time our junior mentors are running activities which is um, are like signing postcards so that they can send home. Um, here's one of them right here, actually. This is one from last year. Yes. And they uh, write postcards and send them home or to friends or wherever. Um, they sign their their camp directories. Here, camp directories. People will sign. It's got pictures and a little bit about each other and we'll sign it. Um, so little things like that. Um, flashlight tag or I guess we don't do flashlight tag anymore. We used to do flashlight tag, but then we realized it wasn't really dark enough. So they play games like sardines. Mm-hmm. So they just have a lot of fun things going on while myself and the mentors are in our little hour long um, evening get together. 
And then after that, we have our big evening activity, <laughs> which is um, at the end of the week, it's things like, you know, the dance and the talent show and skit night. Um, but during the, at the beginning of the week, we have more of like the uh, icebreaker games and, and um, as, uh, improv and things like that. So we, there's always some event scheduled in the evening. And then after that, they just hang out and have fun until they go off to bed. We have late night mentors. They don't do a morning group like the other mentors do, but they um, stay up with the kids and play games and talk and hang out until the kids are gently persuaded. Usually around one o'clock, they start encouraging them to go to bed. And um, so that's, that's the, just the, the day yeah. <laughs> at camp. <laughs> I really love hearing about the way you put it together. It, it really, it, it sounds like you've just accommodated all the flow. You know what I mean? That can happen. And, and understanding having, having late night mentors, um, because you know, some kids are going to want to stay up. They're going to be excited. They're going to want to chat. Some kids are night owls in general, you know, and I noticed your, your night mentors stay up until the last, child or teen goes to bed right so right. they're never on their own like no. alone <laughs> they've always got company and um mm -hmm. and that's why they aren't the morning mentors too right i mean it's brilliant <laughs> and then having junior mentors as well right so they're in training they're, they're like paired up with with a mentor as well so they're seeing what the mentor does and then they have their opportunity in the evenings for an hour to try leading things on their own as well, right? Right. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that, that's, that, that makes a lot of sense. And so for the workshops and, and things during the day, um, are those hosted by campers usually? or um, the, the staff usually do the um, majority of the workshops. I do workshops. The, the campers do, um, the staff do uh, workshops. Every now and then we'll have a camper who wants to, you know, share something that they're excited about, um, you know, and teaching other campers. And so that happens every now and then. And it's, it's, it always is really fascinating to see how, um, how confident they are and um, just the, something totally new that, that they've just, you know, brought to the camp experience. And that's, that's it's exciting. Yeah. <laughs> You, it's something they're excited about, right? And it's just always fun to see somebody take that on when they're excited about something and they want to share it with people. So how many um, in those those slots, how many kind of activities? Is there usually two or three going on that they're choosing from? Or? Yeah, usually there's about, we try not to have um, too much conflicting yeah. um, as far as like what campers might be interested in. But yeah, there's usually a couple of things going on at each time, but not, we try not to have too many more than like two or three. Yeah. yeah. Like um, we've had um, discussions on how to go to school or not go to school, but like go to college. It's yeah. usually a college discussion for unschoolers. And this past year, my son, my oldest, he actually did, you know, a discussion that we've never had before, which was what if you don't want to go to college? You know, and that he was really surprised at how many kids turned up for that discussion. He was thinking nobody would be interested. And I was like, well, there's a lot of kids who aren't really interested 
<laughs> so that was pretty cool. And we'll have, so we try not to have something like that. We wouldn't have both of those going on at the same time, yeah. if that makes sense. So I try to, in scheduling them, try to make sure that, you know, the interests aren't conflicting. Yeah, no, that makes a lot of sense. Because it really does because, you know, when people don't, you don't want to put them in that situation often where they have to choose. I feel like they're missing out on something when they're doing right. something else, right? Right. You've got, you've got the week. You've got the time to play with. And, mm-hmm. and them also knowing that none of them are requirements. These are for you to choose uh, because you're, you're interested, because you want to participate or even if you just want to kind of stand back and, and watch what's going on, et cetera. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I love that. So it sounds amazing. <laughs> and, you know, I can just see how you brought that enthusiasm for camp that you have when you were younger and have brought all of it in. And it, it sounds wonderful. So what advice would you have for parents who are just as excited about the idea and they think it would be awesome for their kid, but maybe their teen is a bit reluctant. You know, they bring a, Hey, you want to go to camp or Hey, you do this, this and this. And they're like, you know, I don't know. Or or that doesn't really sound like my thing. You know, I can Mm -hmm. imagine parents might be a little, I don't know. I don't want to go to pushy, but really, <laughs> I, 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 yes. And it comes from a place of excitement because we see that, you know, as an adult, and we're, wow, that looks like fun. I want to go. Um, yeah. And so we want to be excited about it too. But um, we have had situations in the past where um, parents have um, had their kids come reluctantly and it has turned out great. And then we've had other situations where even though the child was having a really great time, they felt like they needed to go home after a couple of days. They just weren't ready. Mm-hmm. And that's that's fine too. But I really encourage parents to listen to their kids um, like they do in all the other aspects of their life. This is the same. Um, because if a child is not ready to come to camp, they are they might not have a good experience and then they might not be willing to come back at a later time when they actually would be ready. And so it might spoil it for them to be in a situation that they're not quite ready for, whether it's sleeping away from home for the first time. Cause a lot of times kids come and, and camp is their first time sleeping away from home and, and usually they're fine. But um, for the most part, if a child isn't, isn't, excited about or wanting to come and it's also scary and all of these other new things going on it's going to be it's going to not be a great experience for them so like I said we've had kids come and it it was fine they're like oh I'm so glad my parents made me come but I don't think that that's ideal you know because that's a you know (laughs) you're taking a chance yeah you know that's not under your control right right Right. Yeah. And so I think just listen to your kids and be excited and put it in front of them each year. But as far as like going, you know, oh, come on, just do it. You'll have a great time and, and trying to convince them over and over again. Like after a couple of times of saying, hey, it's going to be great. That's fine. You know, because that's how you introduce things is by sharing your enthusiasm for it. But after, you know, mentioning it a few times, if they're really not into it, just drop it, you know, and kind of, you yeah. 
wait. I love that point because, you know, if we get over enthusiastic, a couple of things happen. Number one, you can get them to a place where they're like, they keep trying to get me to do this thing that I tell them I don't want them to do. They don't really understand me or know me, right? If they think that's something I'm going to enjoy. So you put that hurdle in your way. And then also, if you keep encouraging it so much, you're going to have fun, you're going to have fun. You make that choice to go to camp more about you than it is Uh about them, right? It's more about satisfying my mom is sure I'm going to have so much fun if I go. So I'm going to, I'm doing it (laughs) to satisfy her, right? Like, and either way you have, you have kind of, we've taken that choice out of their hands. And so that's just an extra hurdle to overcome once they show up, right? They have to work yeah. through that for it to become their own experience at that point, right? Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, I think that's great. And like you said, there's so many years where it's an option, right? So even if it takes a couple of years or three years until, you know, they feel they're they're ready or it, it connects with them in a new way, it's like, ah, oh, that does sound like something I'd have fun doing now. You know what I mean? Yeah. Just, just sharing it and and then that that seed is planted they know it's there you can hey you know registration is in in a month or two you know yeah. let me know <laughs> if that's something you'd like to do this year you know just mm-hmm. just, just mentioning it so that the ball is still in their court and of course you know um you you can tell when you're having that conversation if they they come and say maybe you know do they do they want to have more conversation with you do they want to learn a little bit more do they want a, a little bit of encouragement? You know, that's something that, especially as unschooling parents, we have that connection and relationship with our kids yeah. that that we can do that dance. We can figure out if they're looking for more information, if they're looking for a little bit of encouragement, and we can do all that. But that's the whole difference, right? It's at their it's it's their motivation. We're we're helping them. We're not making it about us trying to convince them. Mm-hmm. Right? It's, right. It's kind of the same thing, but the motivation is so different. It's, it, it ends up being an entirely different thing. Right. Yeah. And some kids, we've had par- I've had parents contact me and say, my 11 year old is ready to go now. Yeah. <laughs> you know, <laughs> I'm like, well, 11 might be a little too young. Even if it's a mature 11, there are still so many things that are, you know, going to be discussed and, you know, uh, we have gender and sexuality discussions and um, not that 11 year olds shouldn't be exposed to that because I think those things are really important, but you know, just that, that independence and uh, autonomy and all of that is still really developing at that age. And um, so I'm always like, well, just let's wait another year. Maybe 12 will be fine. And we have had, we've had several 12 year olds who've come and they're, they're just like ready. They're so ready. But for the most part, I encourage people to come when they're 13. And, and although that's just an arbitrary, you know, oh, now they're a teenager. That's just what yeah. we've learned. Um, there, is, there is some validity to that concept of readiness to be in a group setting, especially with kids who are much older and, you know, wanting to be able to connect with people. And I, I used to think that, um, I, I didn't want to have that, um, that sort of school, uh, mentality of ages, yeah. you know, and, and that, you know, you can be friends with people of all ages, um, 
and that that's what I was really encouraging. And so up until just a few years ago, our mentor groups were all ages. Like each mentor group was 13 through 18, 19. Because I felt like that diversity and everybody could, um, you know, you would have older ki kids who could sort of be like an older brother, sister situation to younger campers. But um, my kids actually convinced me a few years ago that they thought it would be better if the mental groups were a little bit more age um, centered. So I adjusted it a little bit to where like this group is 13, 13 to 15. And this group is like 16 to 17. And then we have, you know, I, that's not exactly the breakdown, but the, the ages were closer. And we have found that it does work out a lot better because they are coming together with a group of kids who they just naturally are at a, a similar place in life with experiences and maturity and ability to connect to each other, especially in the older groups where they're not, you know, having to hold back with like certain discussions that maybe 13 year olds aren't ready to have. So um, that has really worked out really well. And I pick certain mentors that are really, really good with the younger kids so that they can, um, in fact, you had two of them on here, Alec and um, Max. They are so great with first year campers that I just sometimes watch them and I just want to cry because they're, they, you know, they have that ability to um, take these kids who are like, oh, they've come in and everything's new and they've never been here before. And to just you know, break them into the camp environment so gently and so beautifully that, that I'm so glad that, that my kids convinced me to, to do that, to, to, to consider um, that my idea of, you know, separation by age was negative mm -hmm. and that there, that there were positives that can come from a loose, loosely being separated by age, you know, age ranges. And so anyway, <laughs> sure. now, now that you see that, that makes, that makes a lot of sense. Now, when, when you're looking back at, cause as I was thinking about that, you know, because these mentor groups are for, you know, the more personal connection and they're, they're seeing each other every day um, and engaging with this smaller group more personally, I would imagine. And, you know, when I think of unschooling kids and teens, they're so cognizant of their environment for the most part, you know, mm -hmm. you know, we're, but, but I can imagine older teens not wanting to bring up certain topics or subjects or discussions when younger kids are around. Just right. because they're considerate of, of right. the people that yes. they're with, yes. right? And that that they'd be looking for people um, who are at, you know, to have those more personal discussions with people who are around, the, you know, uh, the same level of experience, ages, you know, that that are, are going to be encountering those kinds of situations so that they would right. have. Um, something to share, something to add to the conversation and also might benefit from it. Right. Right. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. That's cool. <laughs> Yay. Kids. Right. They're awesome. Yeah. I learn so much from my kids. It's, 
Yes. <laughs> it really isn't about, I mean, they're my kids because yes, physically they're my kids, but they're, they're people. They're yeah. <laughs> people, wonderful, intelligent people that have been, that are great to have conversations with and to listen to because they bring so many great ideas to the, to the table, don't they? Yeah. Okay, so before we wrap up here, I would love to know what you're most looking forward to at camp this year. Ah. <laughs> <laughs> well, um, I'm not sure if you were aware of this or not, but last year we moved to a new location um, due to some, uh, <laughs> the location that we had been at for a long time was a church related mm-hmm. facility and they started to express their, I get kind of emotional when I talk about this. Yeah they started to express their concern about the fact that we had transgender kids, that we have a paint wall. You know, we have this paint wall that's this canvas that the kids can paint on all week long and it's beautiful and fun. And then at the end of the week, I cut it up into these scraps and everybody can take home a piece of the paint wall. Yeah. Um, but you know, sometimes they, they, they paint what they're excited about and sometimes they're, you know, they would say things like gay or, you know, yeah. different things. And um, the facility was expressing their concern about that. They didn't want to see that anymore. Mm-hmm. They told us that um, kids were to be in the boy cabin and girl cabin based on um, oh, gender at birth. Exactly. <laughs> mm-hmm. So <laughs> after a lot of discussion, with them and their unwillingness, you know, and basically saying that it would be up to me to make sure that that happened, to make sure that these rules were followed. I said, you know, that would, that would mean I would be taking a safe space and asking them to do what happens in mainstream society, which is try to fly under the radar, try to hide who you are. And I said, I cannot ask my campers or my staff to do that. So we found a new facility that is amazing. When I came to them, I said, this is the situation. They said, we support anyone who is out there trying to make lives better for kids. And they were just like, come on. (laughs) And so our new facility, which is Montvale in Merrillville, Tennessee, they're amazing and they're they're not a church-based facility. They um, are an adoption. Uh, It's just the camp that they use when um, they have camps for their families and kids who've been adopted. And they're just amazing. And they have dogs that they've rescued. And it's, I I just love them so much. (laughs) Um, But so last year was our first year there. And um, this is our second second time having to move to a facility, and the first time in a new space is always filled with a lot of anxiety for me, and trying to to make things work in ways that they worked in our old place and still be just as enjoyable. So the thing that I'm looking forward to the most this year is coming back to a space that is now camp, is not just like oh this is a new place, now this is the camp. And, and being able to just relax into that feeling of familiarity and, and routine and knowing, you know, how the days will, will go um, in this new place. And um, so, yeah, that, is, that may not be a particular thing or event, but for me as a person with a lot of 
social anxiety in new places, coming back to something that's familiar is, is um, really exciting. <laughs> oh my goodness. That makes so much sense, Laura, right? Because last year you went and it was all about, um, you know, not knowing for sure how things were going to flow, how they were going to fit into not only the atmosphere you're trying to create, but you know, the, the routine, the flow of the days, right. the kinds of activities that you like to do, yeah. the kitchen, having the food, you know, the kitchen. Oh my gosh. Scotty, Scotty has been, he's just like, wow, the kitchen's really different. <laughs> and so having to figure out, that's probably the hardest thing was because when you're running a kitchen, the flow is super important. So figuring that out has been really fun yeah. <laughs> for him. Um, I can, and, and I know how hard it is too. That happened to me one year. I hosted a conference for like six years. And <clears throat> one year after, after at a venue that, that was church based, they also weren't too happy in the end and had some requirements that they want. And, but, you know, after moving through that, I found an amazing space for the next time. And it's like, wow, this is, you know, more perfect. <laughs> but it is such a challenging thing to, to, to work through. But, I loved hearing, you know, how you went through it. And, and, you know, it's like we said, hard times come up, right? But we, we keep, that's where we're like, okay, this, these are the things that are really important to me and for yeah. the work that I'm doing. And these are the things I'm not going to give up on. So my next baby step is, oh, geez, you know, I'm going to have to, I'm going to start yeah. looking other places. Right. And those are, those are scary things to do, but so often, so often things end up turning. You know what? Even if you ended up with an interim one, you know, you're stepping forward and stepping forward is it, the only direction to go, right? Right. And it, it challenges you in a way that you hadn't been challenged before. And that's part of me personally. That was part of a growth, a big growth spurt for me to have to come face to face with, with someone looking at me and saying, you know, all of these things and, and, you know, holding it together. When we left that meeting, my husband said that he was surprised I didn't cry. I was actually able to hold it together and stand my ground. And it was like, oh, I have that in me. And so, you know, um, whenever challenges arise, like we talked before about, you know, the perfect outcomes of our children by doing X, Y, and Z, it's like the challenges that we face in situations are all, all part of that growth you know, part of the growth for us, part of the growth for the kids and, um, you know, going to a new facility. I know that there were some campers that had the similar challenges that I do. It was like, Oh, new space, scary, new space, scary, <laughs> you know, because it's it. And that, so that was a challenge for them to be like, well, do I love camp enough <laughs> to overcome my anxiety about going to a new space? Mm -hmm. And, um, so yeah, and, and just, and, and rolling with it. And so, yeah, it's all about growth. Whenever these challenges, whatever they are in life, you know, you can either let it crush you or you can figure out a way to, um, make it a, a part of your journey that is positive in the end, even mm -hmm. though it's hard. <laughs> exactly. Even though it's hard because it, it challenges us to, to, 
find new spaces inside ourselves, right? To find, you know, he really asks you, well, what's, what's most important to, to, to me, right? I have to ask Mm -hmm. myself those questions and, and, you know, and, and why am I, you know, working through why that hurts so much. And, and, and there's nothing wrong with it hurting so much, but that's where you find those pieces, right? That it's because this yeah. is really important to me and I can understand, you know, I know where they're coming from, but it's not me, you know, but, right. but you have to, you have to get that because at first it's, it's hurt and it's, oh my gosh. And, and, you know, it's all yeah. those, those like em- embarrassed kind of things. And then you realize, oh, but. No, no, this, this is okay. This is something I want to, I want to yeah. stand for. I want to um, be encouraged, et cetera. Yeah. yeah. Big girl. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Well, thank you so much for taking the time to speak with me today, Laura. I really appreciate it. And it was so much fun. So interesting. I loved hearing so much more about your camp. Yeah. Well, thank you for, uh, Inviting me. <laughs> I love <laughs> And before we go, where's the best place for people to find out more about camp and maybe register for this summer? Okay, you can go to etusk.com. It's E-T-U-S-C.com. And um, I just updated the website this year. I'm pretty, pretty happy with it. Um, and uh, you can just look through the website there. And if there's anything on there that doesn't answer all your questions, you can always email me. My email is on the contact page. Um, but I try to put as much information on the website as possible so that people can, you know, get a feel for it and, and know what it's all about. And, uh, there's a registration page and lots of information there as well. And so, yeah, just etusk.com. Yeah, it's a great website. There is lots of information there. You explain a lot, which I thought was was great because, you know, we like to gather that information and and start to feel out whether it it feels like a good connection, right? Mm -hmm. Before before we take the next step. So, yeah, they don't, (laughs) they can do that themselves without having to keep emailing you with questions. (laughs) Oh, that's fine. You don't mind the questions, but you know, I I know for myself, I don't like to have to ask a lot of questions because I feel like bothering somebody. Right. So that's why I always like to put as much information as like, even when I was running the conferences and center, you know, as much information out there so people can get, uh, you know, a good idea first. And then, then it's like, Oh, it's just little details here and there. Then, then they're yeah. more comfortable to reach out. <laughs> yeah, I know that some in the past, um, especially in the first couple of years, um, it was the questions I got from potential campers or their parents that helped me know what to put on the FAQ. Exactly. <laughs> like, oh, that's a good question. Didn't think of that. And so, you know, you know, I'm just one person. <laughs> I can't oh, think no. of everything. Exactly. The well, community is really helpful. Yeah, I was gonna say that's the joy of experience, right? As right. as we gain experience and and figure things out, then then we can better better put stuff out there. Yeah. Anyway, well, thank you so much again, Laura, and have a wonderful day. You too. Thank you so much, Pam. Bye. Bye. Thanks for listening. I hope you found it helpful. You might also like the backlist episodes at livingjoyfully.ca forward slash podcast. 
While you're there, be sure to check out the second book in my Living Joyfully with Unschooling series, Free to Live, Create a Thriving Unschooling Home. In it, I dive into the four characteristics that I found helped unschooling flourish in our home. Curiosity, patience, strong relationships, and trust. One reviewer wrote, Really enjoyed this short and sweet book. It has marvelous one-liners, and though I'm not an underliner, I found myself underlining on every page. Another said, I believe it would benefit any homeschooler or parent to read this book as it re-emphasizes the importance of the relationship between a parent and a child in the learning process. I plan to reread this book. It is rich and full of gems. Give yourself some time to absorb it before rushing into unschooling. Until next time, have fun living and learning with your family.